everyone, my name is Josh, and I'd like to welcome you to the Walk in the Light podcast, and may God bless you all. Today I'm going to be going over the uh, gift of tongues, as it is something that I've seen gaining steam recently. I think there are a few things that are being uh, misunderstood. Today's podcast will be a little bit different than usual. As uh, you guys can see on YouTube, there will be some slides to go along with this. Um, this is something that I'm trying out, and if you, I hope you guys like it. Um, but uh, I'll be kind of jumping around as I'm solo for this one, so um, it might be a little bit uh, delay uh, for some of the scene scrides as I have to jump uh, between monitors here, but I'll try to make it as smooth as possible. And uh, also, um, typically for my studies, uh, personally, I like to do a more of an exegetical study where I try to pull as much meat out of the scripture and then present what I come up with. But for this one, it would be, I guess, more topical in a way. I'll be jumping through two books primarily, Acts and 1 Corinthians. Um, but first, uh, let's get into some prayer using uh, <clears throat> Paul's prayer from Ephesians chapter 3. And it says, God, we ask that you would grant all of us according to the riches of his glory that he may grant us to be strengthened with the power through the spirit of his inner being, of our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ surpasses all knowledge, and um, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> sorry, just trying to, okay. So the gift of tongues is something, um, uh, I'll say early in my faith was something I was influenced towards and fell into uh, until the pastor of my church sat down and went over some verses with me, and I'm really glad he did. I looked heavily into spiritual gifts, especially tongues, and really just desired to have all of them. So, uh, so first, before I get too deep into this, um, I want to say something about this topic. Um, I'll be honest, I was kind of dreading going over this because it's a, it's kind of a sensitive topic. Uh, we live in a world today that loves cancel culture. It loves to see things in black or white, left, right. You either 100% agree or you 100% disagree. Um, and I don't really like to operate within that. Um, Obviously, when it comes to scripture, um, we have a right and wrong, uh, but sometimes people's approach to scripture can be a little bit different, and that's where it gets a little bit hairier. Um, but I'll be honest, when I come to the when it comes to the gifts of tongue, you'll have people either for it or against it, as whether it exists today or or how it exists today. <clears throat> One argument is uh, that it went away when the last disciple died. And honestly, this cessationist view is probably closer to where my viewpoint is. However, I do think it is possible that a mission group could go to a, I don't know, a hidden tribe somewhere in the world to give the gospel and the Holy Spirit would 
give them the native tongue of that tribe, even if it was clicks and or just some sounds, uh, uh, some kind of dialect. Uh, so yeah, I'd say that's possible even today. Um, <clears throat> another argument is that this kind of uh, like ecstatic or God language uh, that some say that no one but God can understand and to use it uh, and its use, it's kind of like gibberish uh, the way it sounds. Uh, recently, I've been hearing more and more about this question in the Christian community. Can Satan hear our thoughts? Now, we don't have time to cover this that question um, in this particular one. But the reason why I bring it up is there's a teaching out there that if you can acquire the gift of tongues, it would somehow drive Satan crazy because no one could understand it except God. Um, I'll go over the issue with that shortly, but I think verses like um, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 13 through 10, I think I have it in here. Um Uh, let me pull it up separately here. Uh, Therefore, one who speaks in tongues should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. And, and, I, and I'll come back to that verse again, uh, that passage here again in a minute, um, and I'll go over more of it. But, uh, um, <clears throat> but if me or anyone else doesn't know what I am saying, um, or what someone is saying when they speak in tongues, uh, the idea is how can we say amen to it? We don't we don't know what's being said. Um, we we may not agree uh, with what's being said. Um, so, but the main thing I want to go over is how the Bible speaks about tongues. Um, let's try to keep our facts within Scripture and the context of it, because something that has been around. Uh, for a while and lately I've been hearing more and more of uh, people getting behind it not entirely sure uh, they have considered all scripture uh, to go in that into that decision the thing I've noticed about teaching that is either false or at the very least has questionable interpretations that it always seems to isolate a few pieces of scripture it usually uses one verse or at least a few verses verses and it never seems to take the context of the passage around it or other parts of the Bible into consideration. Now, <clears throat> many by great Bible experts will tell you context and matching our interpretations to other parts of Scripture are critical for a proper biblical study and interpretation. And I think this topic is no different. Um, so the first verse I'd like to go over is uh, <clears throat> Acts 2.11. Uh, two th Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, uh, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And, there, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? 
And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and uh, proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. Sorry if I got any of those wrong. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. <clears throat> so, being filled with the Holy Spirit um, uh, is kind of, uh, you can kind of compare it to um, um, hold up here, um, the the being filled with the cloud that we see in Second uh, Chronicles 5, uh, thir verses 13 through 14. It says, And it was the duty of the trumpeteers and singers to make themselves heard in union and praise and thanksgiving for the Lord. Um, oh, sorry, the bottom portion of this. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So we have this idea that um, we obviously know God is everywhere, but there was a unique type of feeling that was happening here, and uh, and it and it was very powerful. But for uh, for this particular situation, they re they received from the Spirit the gifts of tongues, and we'll go into more exactly what that is. Um, uh, Each one was hearing them speak in his own language. I think that's very important to point out here. Um, here it makes it very clear and defines uh, what tongues is and, and connects them to earthly languages. We see here again, it was Galilean people, but they were, uh, Galilean people were the ones that were received the gift of tongues and were speaking in tongues. And the people that were listening identified it as their own native language. So here we see tongues being connected to language. And it, and then it gets even more specific. Uh, those native languages that, that uh, were being heard by Parthians and Medes and Elamites and, and all these, there's several that are listed here. And so we see um, tongues isn't this isn't this unique one God language that nobody understands. These people were Parthians and Medes, and they were hearing Galileans speak in their own language. Um, and so it was very unique um, uh, what was happening and what was taking place. Um, <clears throat> uh, again, it, not a God language, but earthly language, uh, languages that we can identify even today. We know that there was, you know, languages connected to these various different types of people and languages, um, and they're listed here connected with tongues that were given by the Holy Spirit. Um, <clears throat> another verse I have here is uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. It says, now concerning the gift, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, 
and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but in the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the work of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So, we'll go back here to the first part of that. So, no, <clears throat> um, here it's really important to understand the Corinthians didn't, um, the impression is given that uh, the Corinthians didn't really have uh, much, if any, in the way of interpretation, which within their groups, and 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 that's just uh, that's just a theory. Uh, I'll be honest with that. But um, we will. One of the concerns the Corinthians had is that when they were using these tongues, um, and obviously these people didn't identify as speaking uh, in a special language strictly to God. Um, but they they thought that what they were saying in these in these native languages, without any interpretation, they were concerned that they were blaspheming God, and so Paul wants to encourage them and make it very clear um, that no one that receives these gifts from the Holy Spirit, uh, or at least the you know in particular the gift of tongues, is can be blaspheming God or calling Jesus accursed, and on that same side. Only those enabled by the Holy Spirit can declare Jesus as Lord, and so it's a very uh, it's a very interesting thing to say, see here that if these people thought that God was in them speaking only to God in this unique language, um, I don't think they would have to worry about blaspheming. But they're worried about you know the the gift that they were given blaspheming God to others around them. And uh, and again, Paul makes it very clear that this power comes from the Holy Spirit, um, and so they couldn't be possibly be blaspheming God. Um, and this same thing continues through the chapter. Each person, um, in, the, in the next slide here, um, <clears throat> each person is uniquely gifted to build up the church body. Um, these gifts aren't intended for private use, where it benefits no one. Um, we see here several, and, and this isn't to say these are all the spiritual gifts, but the, the several gifts are laid out here. And the idea is, is that it benefits the church in some way. Uh, God who empowers them all and everyone. And uh, it's various different activities uh, and, uh, and occasions. And, Again, it's unique gifts given to each person for the ben benefit of the entire church. If it was for something that you would just do between yourself and God, um, 
it wouldn't benefit the church body um, at all. So, <clears throat> and so we have here in uh, the next uh, passage I want to go through is 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. And it says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in the tongue builds up himself, but the one who's, who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophecy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. <clears throat> um, a, a church without an interpreter only hears mysteries. We, we see here that um, uh, speaks in tongues not to men, uh, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Um, if there is no interpreter and and there's some that believe that at this time the Corinthians didn't really have anybody to interpret these tongues, um, you're going to see them as mysteries because nobody knows what's being said. And, and so in that case, only God understands what's being said, and so it doesn't build up the church. It, it's, only, it's only the Spirit speaking and, and nobody understanding. Um, and so again, it comes in here at the bottom, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets. Now, the, the, whole, the whole thing about this is it's a God language that only God understands that's being taught to people. So how can we say unless somebody interprets? That obviously means that their interpretation um, is, is a gift um, and that this isn't just a unique God language that nobody understands. Uh, Paul made it very clear. We need people to interpret these, otherwise it does not benefit the church for being built up. Um, uh, no one is being built up. No one is being encouraged. Uh, there's no consolation given to anyone. Um, so it's just overall not helpful, especially if there's no nobody to interpret. <clears throat> the next verse is, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue, and I'm sorry, this one's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 13 through 25. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So here we see if we pray in tongues or another language um, and there's nobody to interpret it, it doesn't benefit me or anyone else because we don't understand what we are saying or what is being said. Um, pray 
<clears throat> so pray with my spirit, but I will uh, pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind. Also, gives us more context and clarity about praying in the spirit. Uh, this idea that you'll see you'll see a lot of this used. The idea of praying in the spirit is how they know it's a it's a God language. But praying in the spirit um, is you know they isolate that verse and then you don't get the context around it. And they often use it to validate praying in some kind of God language. But Paul gives us examples here and other and other parts of Scripture what that means. Praying in the spirit is. Praise and thankfulness, just to name a few, um, in prayer towards God. Um, other parts of scripture point to various other worships towards God as well. But the, um, the idea here is that when I pray with the spirit and in mind, mind being I, I know what I'm, what I'm saying, um, this is the idea of praying in the spirit that is that is about you and the Holy Spirit being in agreement as you are being led by the Holy Spirit in prayer. That's all that that means. It's not this idea of this God language. It just means that your 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 uh, your prayer is in agreement with the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit. Um, what you're saying is is being agreed upon and being led by the Holy Spirit. So the next one is uh, still in chapter 14, but 26 through 32. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Again, we see various different gifts um, that are being used within the church. Let all these be done for building up. That's, this is the purpose. We do them to build up the church, not build up ourselves only. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made, to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged, and the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. <clears throat> what we hear, see here, let someone interpret, is that when someone speaks in a different uh, tongue or language, an interpreter must be present when there's a group. Um, if anyone in the group present is not, does not have the gift of tongues, that person is required to remain silent while in the group. This means if someone, say you're in a fellowship, a small group, church, whatever it is, and they start praying in a language and no one else can understand it, first we must ask if someone can interpret if not, we must, with love and gentleness, ask, ask that person to stop. And again, we see similar requirements with, prophecy, uh, with prophesying in this passage uh, that is speaking in truth and truthfully God's word. That's uh, something for another time. Um, 
<clears throat> we also, I have here um, some stuff from, uh, I don't want to get the, uh, it's the Bible knowledge commentary, but um, so this is the Bible knowledge commentary. Let me pull up. I, I want to give credit where credit's due here. Um, so the Bible knowledge commentary by This one's uh, David Lowry, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the Bible Knowledge Commentary by Dallas Theological Seminary, Zuck, Roy, B. Wolverd, and John F. Uh, and I, I wanted to bring this one up because he has a very good uh, definition here coming from uh, chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 2. What Paul meant by speaking in a tongue is a matter of considerable debate. One Common view is to see Paul's use of the word tongue, glossa, against the background of the first century pagan religions and thus define it as ecstatic speech similar to that expressed by the Sibylla or female prophetess. Uh, was the most famous of the ten female prophetesses claimed by various religions. Others see the tongue speaking in 1 Corinthians as ecstatic speech similar to that of Pythia, the female oracle at Delphi, or similar to the Maenades of Dionysus, I know I'm saying that wrong, in their ecstatic frenzy. That the Corinthians may have thought of this gift as anal analogous <laughs> to the pagan ecstatic ecstatic is certainly possible but to suggest that Paul used the term with reference to pagan background is hardly enlightened scholarship in fact the seedbed for most Paul's theological concepts and the usual source of his term was the Old Testament this is evident by Paul's use of glossa outside these three Corinthian chapters he used the word 21 times in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, but only three other times in his other letters. Each of Paul's other uses was either in a quotation from the Old Testament, uh, and then there's some examples there, or in an allusion to it, and then there's some examples. In all three instances, he used the word tongue as a figure of speech for the statement or confession made, 
whether good uh, in these or bad in Romans 3.13. The statement was clearly intelligible. Again, clearly intelligible. <clears throat> the same may be said of the meaning of the word glossa elsewhere in the New Testament. Whether it was used literally of the physical organ in Mark 7.33, James 3.5, or Revelation 16.10, or figuratively of a human language, Acts 2.11, Revelation 5, 9, 7.9, 7.9, 11.9, 13.7, 14.6, and 17.15. It nowhere referred to ecstatic speech. If it is reasonable to interpret the unknown with the help of the known, the obscure by the clear, then the burden of proof rests with those who find in this term a meaning other than the human language. The context of this verse is the assembled congregation in Corinth, in which utterance in a tongue was given without the benefit of interpretation. Apparently, no native speaker of the tongue was present in the assembly, and no one was given supernatural enablement to interpret it. The, utter, the utterances, therefore, were mysteries, truths requiring a supernatural disclosure which God had no, not provided to the Corinthians in this particular instance. As a result, the ex expression of tongues became an exercise in futility for the assembly as a whole with only the speaker deriving some benefit in his spirit, the sentient aspect of his being. I think that's it. <clears throat> So, um, so in summary, one, um, tongue is defined in Acts chapter 2 as world languages, and we are even given several examples, and we are familiar with them. We, you may not know them, but we are familiar that they existed. It has been said that this is... <clears throat> is a godlike language that no one can know, but we can see that the gift of interpretation not only exists, but is required in, um, to be used, uh, for tongues to be used in gatherings, as it is necessary for building up those who hear. Uh, three, an impression is given that Corinthians were using these gifts in gatherings without anyone to interpret or understand it, understand them this is important to note for everyone with the holy spirit sealed in them believers is given a unique gift that is intended to be used as a blessing to the church body especially in your local church communities this would mean one they are not like pokemon where you're trying to <laughs> gather all of them and two they are no use to the body of christ if used only in private Uh, six. Did I give a five? Oh, five was the uh, the Bible knowledge commentary example that I gave for First Corinthians fourteen two. Um, I'm not going to go over that again. Uh, six, praying in the spirit, essentially worshipful prayer, like thankfulness and praise, for example. It is it it 
this idea that you being led by the Holy Spirit and are in agreement together with the Holy Spirit. Seven, if someone is speaking in a foreign tongue, we must ask if anyone can interpret what is being said. If the answer is no, we must, of course, with love and gentleness, ask them to stop. This is because it is not building up those who are present, um, encouraging anyone who hears or gives consolation to those uh, that are gathered. Um, again, the idea is, is you, you, it's not wise to say I'm amen to something you're, you don't understand what's being said. So in closing, uh, this isn't intended to be an argument or a discouragement for the gift of tongues. This isn't to say that the gift of tongues isn't present today, but the Spirit's gifting in the church is intended to be a blessing to the church and, and others that uh, come into contact with Christians, uh, the church being the body of Christ, and for expanding it. it. It is unique to you for the purpose of building up and encouraging the church, especially in your local communities. I'd say the best way to find out your spiritual gift, if that's what you're looking for, is to focus on loving people, especially within the church, and, <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit will naturally bring those gifts out in you. If you have to know exactly what the name of that gift is, you may even ask someone in your church who knows you well inside and outside of the church who could have perspective on what your gifts might be. Um, so... That's all I have for you today. Um, again, I, there are some parts of it that are probably a little bit messy for my first time running it like this. But um, overall, I hope you guys liked it. And, uh, and, I, and if you did like it, I would like to hear back from you. Um, if you have any prayer requests, praises, or you would like to uh, comment about this type of uh, presentation, you can just send us an email at walkinthelight at walkinthelightsp.com. If you like what we're doing here and you want more daily doses of hope and scripture, follow us at our other social media accounts. We have a Twitter at walkin underscore the light. We have a Facebook. It is walkin the light. And we have an Instagram, walkinthelightsp. Uh, just thank you guys so much and uh, God bless.